back to Titus. And we're going to be in Titus chapter 1 tonight. You know, as I mentioned on a day when we've had fundraiser dinners, this church has a lot of activities uh, and, and a lot of the things we do minister to people and, and so many of them are great. But the importance of truth in the Lord's church, that's, that's first and foremost and, and should always be. And, and we're going to look at a letter again tonight that Paul wrote to Titus. Last Sunday night, we looked at the letter that Paul wrote to Timothy. And both Titus and Timothy were both very special to Paul. Paul called them both the sons in the faith. Timothy had a work to do in Ephesus. And Paul had a work to... I mean, and Titus had a work to do in Crete. And those Cretans... That, that's who Paul was talking about this morning when he was talking to Timothy about these, these folks that Titus was to minister to. If, a, if there were a preacher that just wanted to go and do what he wanted to do and pick out certain people to minister to, it wouldn't be the Cretans. But Paul knew that everyone needed God's saving grace and God wants to save everyone. So Paul went out to this island of Crete. And he evangelized. And there were many souls saved and churches established. And Paul wanted to stay there for the work, but duty called him elsewhere. And so as we pick up in verse 5, we're going to see that Paul has placed Titus and given him the work to do in Crete among several churches. It was quite a work that was given to him. He was to appoint Others in positions there. And so as we go into verse 5 and pick up there, it says, For this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting, that means lacking, and ordain elders in every city as I have appointed thee. Titus had a Great work in store for him. Paul had a lot of confidence in him with the amount of work that he gave him. And what I'd like to focus on this evening is the details of the people and the details of how Titus was to deal with the people. And so as we examine these Cretans, look what Titus has in store for him. And, and we're going to go into verse 10 and we're going to look at a manipulation. Uh, what to watch out for would be a good title for the work that Titus had in store for him. And, and in verse 10 it says, we see the manipulation. It says, For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision. There, there, were, there were Jewish Cretes and there were Greeks in there. This, speaking of those of the circumcision, that was the Jews. And we see that Titus here, he had to deal with unruly people. You know, make no mistake about it. When someone's unruly, when they're rebellious, there's something twofold in that. You not only have rebellion from, from divine authority or, or, or God's placed authority in His church, if they're rebelling against that good authority, they're following a wrong authority. They're following something that they shouldn't follow. So this is something that 
Titus has to deal with in these people. He must tackle this issue. You know, in Old Testament times, there, there was Moses who had to deal with the unruly, rebellious children of Israel. And so Titus finds himself in a same situation with unruliness. You know, God, God had a severe punishment uh, that, that came pretty immediate for someone that was unruly in the Old Testament. And today we're under grace and it's, and it's handled in a different manner. Matter, but make no mistake about it, it's looked at the same way. God still opposes unruliness and He can't stand it. But we not only see that they were unruly, they were vain talkers. Vain talking is an issue as well. Careless, careless, empty, meaningless words that go on and on. You know, I, I believe in the Lord's church. I know we have our little chats and talks and, and I'm among the, the most of them that'll just sit around and chat. But, but as far as, as far as unnecessary words, as far as just ungodliness and speech, uh, it, it's something that shouldn't go on in the Lord's church. It's something that shouldn't go on anywhere. We'll, we'll give an account for every idle word that we speak. Some of these Cretans, they, they were said to have one-cylinder brains and eight-cylinder tongues by the things that they said and the things that they talk about. It, it was non-stop. And uh, you, you had people that were always making these divine claims and all of these predictions. And it seemed to like it sounded like it was along the line of spiritual things, but there was really no substance to what they were saying. There was really no truth involved in that you know it's some in some cases it seems like the less truth someone knows the more they want to try to talk about spiritual things in the things of god and then there were deceivers we we find in the list you know the sad process in deception is people not only deceive themselves but they go on to deceive someone else due to a lack of truth or, or a mishandling or, or not being able to handle the truth there's a lot of deception that goes on paul is very particular about pointing this out because deception is devastating in the lord's church and it can happen in in so many easy ways you know if we don't become serious students of the Word of God, we will, we will mishandle the Word of God and it will have a great effect on the Lord's church. Consider Eve, for example. Let's look at Eve back in the garden for a minute. Now, the Lord God said, every tree in the garden thou mayest freely eat. Now, when the serpent approached Eve and she was talking with him, with him Eve told him, we may eat of the trees of the garden. She left out the word freely, okay? She, she totally left out God's goodness and God's generosity and His provision in that word. Every, every word of God is very important. So for her to leave that out, it, it, it left out a whole lot. It left out just more strength of God's word to stand on. And then, and then as we continue to look at it, the Lord God also said, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Now Eve said, ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. 
She left out that word surely. God said you will surely die. Satan started saying no you won't. God said you'll surely die. She left out surely pointing out God's certainty in what he was saying. Uh, She left that out. The certainty of God. And then neither shall you touch it. Where did that come from? God didn't say that. She added to the word of God and deception took place. And the very same thing can happen to this day. Deceiving and being deceived, it happens by us not understanding and becoming students of the Word of God and and trying to handle it when we can't handle it properly. Paul pointed out this detail because of so many effects that that it causes in the Lord's church. You know, think of look, look in verse nine, and we're going to look at one of the uh, qualifications that was given for an elder. They were to be holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. These elders of this qualification were to be spread out in all of these churches of Crete. And that's why we start off talking about how important truth is in the Lord's church. And and God wants to grow us in truth for the strength, for the well-being, for the safety, for the help. In his church. So we see that there's some manipulation that goes on among these Cretans, but that's not it. What, what verse 11 is going to end up boiling down to is a situation of money now. And it says in verse 11, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. You know, we live in a day and time where, where we're told to be politically correct. We're told to be tolerant of things. Um, we're, we're called judgmental whenever we put the truth out there. Paul disagrees with that when it comes to the Word of God, and especially when it starts to affect the people of God in a negative manner. he Titus is not told to quietly take subtle steps into, into deterring this stuff that's going on. He's told to fight against it, whose mouths must be stopped. You know, I, I know we need to speak the truth in love. That goes without saying. We, we know how we should be as Christians. We shouldn't, we shouldn't let things keep us from speaking up. The world is speaking up. And, and I know sin has always been around. It sure is getting loud, though. And it sure is being pushed against Christianity. You know, you know in college today, there's a film that's watched... Uh, negatively against Christians, and then an essay has to be written on their view of the Christians' bigoted view of wrong things that go on in this world. The world's getting—it's getting more aggressive, and it's getting loud. At least, at least in my generation, from a kid to now, I'm seeing it, and we've got to 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 stand up. Paul said their mouths must be stopped. Whole families were becoming corrupted by twisted teachings. And and just as important for Paul to tell what they were doing is to tell why they were doing. The motive behind the corruption 
famine that was coming upon families from all of these that were turning to false teaching for filthy lucre's sake. They're, they're, they're downright underneath, behind the scenes desire was for a dollar. It was for money that they were in ministry. It wasn't for the well-being of a person. Um, their desire, their motive was money. Some teach things with no thought of the well-being of others, but the gaining of wealth for self. And Timothy was given a job to, to dig his heels in and to call these people out, to weed them out, and to stop the mouth of the money-hungry who did not hunger and thirst for the righteousness of God. So we see what he's dealing with, with manipulation, and then also with money. Now let's look at the mannerisms of the people that he's dealing with. In verse 12, it says, One of themselves, even a prophet of their own, said, The Cretans are always liars. Evil beasts, slow bellies. You know, you had some unsaved Cretans there. And you had some that had trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. However, some mannerisms of the old day was creeping up and even the saved. You know, I'm glad that God breaks the power of inherited genes. You know, somebody could have a great-great-granddaddy that was... That was an alcoholic, and great-granddaddy was too, and granddaddy was too, maybe, and then dad was. But when it comes to the child, and they've trusted Christ as Savior, it breaks those genes. Christ is so much more powerful than anything that tries to rise up in our humanity. Uh, you know, looking at the background of specific sinfulness, it does not have to be the boss in our lives. You know, Paul, Paul knew that. Paul knew the power of God. So he went to this, I guess I'll call it a hideous place of Crete, to shine the light of God in that place so that people might be saved. He witnessed to them and... Unfortunately, too much of their background, though, was on the forefront of their mannerisms. I say even the saved. I mean, you had the false teachers there. You had the unsaved. And they were trying to devour those that were saved. You understand that? That's why there was such a need for, for these elders to be immediately appointed out by Titus into, into these churches that were strong in the Word of God. There was a lot of things going on that Paul wanted to stop. You know, even one of their own Cretes, even one of their own gave a testimony against them, calling their character that of a habitual liar. You know, everyone's told a lie, but when it's just a daily habit and a part of life, I mean, you just had a big life fest going on among these Cretans. That's what they did. They, they habitually lied. They were evil beasts. They were, they were rude and brutal in attitude and they indulge in doing nothing beneficial in life. I mean, they're just sitting around doing nothing and there was nothing worthwhile in their life. There was nothing of substance that was going on. And that's what is meant by the word slow bellies. I mean, you can, you hardly get much lower than that when you talk about these people being slow bellies. Pretty much, pretty much Worthless and useless. And, and we see that that's what we all are without Christ. You know, it's so wonderful to know that, that God would take us and He would save us. 
He would teach us how to serve. He takes us through suffering to make us worth something. It's worthwhile to know God and He continually makes us worth something. And, And so these mannerisms, don't get me wrong, Paul is shooting it out there to let Titus know what he has in store, but he also knew what God would turn them into. But but we go from mannerisms to a specific mission in verse 13 that is given to Titus. He says, this witness is true. Wherefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. You know... We're always in danger of, of falling back into what we used to, do, to be, as far as character anyway. I don't know about you, but the way I just feel sometimes in my Christian life is that, is that, is that as we press forward and as we trust the Lord to take us forward, and as we trust Him to, to steadily make us something and make us worthwhile, I just sometimes feel like I'm, I'm just one step from from, from falling back into the old character that I used to be. I don't, I, I always just feel like I need the things of God in my life. You know, uh, uh, back on the job when I, when I would roll in with my truck every evening and I had it on Christian radio, guys made fun of me. They said, you, you're just weak, aren't you? You always have to have that music or something in your ear about God. And I said, well, yes, I do. And if you knew anything, anything better about yourself, you need it too. But, you know, it's kind of like a, um, I'm not going to details, but but someone was telling me about the, their business practice when it first started out. And on the financial end of things, they said all they needed to be was one inch in front of the bull. You know, I, I mean, you know, you get a you, you get material for a job and you go to do the job and and then you get the money and then you you ask them not to cash that check. And until that money clears and just one inch in front of the bull. And that's the way I feel like as a child of God, sometimes we're just one inch in front of the bull. And there's a mission that is that is given to Titus to rebuke them sharply. You know, anytime we're not in pursuit in, of living in the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, we're, we're ready to fall and we're ready to fall hard. I believe that with all my heart that we're going in the wrong direction when we become relaxed in the things of God. You know, if, if we go without Bible study, um, you know, it, it's a backslidden condition. It really is for all of us. And, and, it's, and it's a scary thing. And as we think about who time Titus was ministering to here and the details of what's going on. Paul gave him a mission, if you will, that that there be bold, loud, attention getting preaching with authority. This was demanded upon Titus by Paul to these people when he said, rebuke them sharply. I don't know if I ever told you about the fellow that Wanted his mule train, so he found a mule trainer and brought that mule trainer over to the house. And, and, and that fellow, that mule trainer picked up a two by four and he, he hit that mule right between the eyes. Man, that mule fell, fell down and, and the mule got up again and he gripped that two by four and he hit him right between the eyes again. Man, that mule fell down again. And he got back up and the mule trainer said, wait, what are you doing? I asked you to come train my mule, not kill him. He said, in order to train him, I have to get his attention. And what Paul was saying is these guys need the, need the attention 
given to the word of God and to the truth that there might be conviction of the Holy Spirit upon them for the things that they need uh, in this in this process of coming into Christian maturity and keeping away from the resurrection of the old dead ways of living. Something else that was getting in the way, you, you name it. The, everything that could get in the way of these Christian creeds and, and, and the false, uh, doctrines out there trying to take them away, it, it was coming. And in verse, verse 14, we see the myths. He says, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments from men that turn from the truth. You know, when somebody found, finds out I'm a preacher, they'll, They'll say, see you later or something, and then they'll say something about, well, uh, I'll see you next time, I guess. Lord willing and the creek don't rise. And, and they're thinking they're saying something good and spiritual to, to the preacher. Actually, part of that is, I don't know about that creek rising, but, 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 uh, Lord willing, you know, it's, if it's of the Lord will, we'll do this or that, James said. So that is biblical and that is right. You know, but but there's there's a tendency to get caught up in fiction, fairy tales and things that sound spiritual, but they cannot be found in the Bible. You know, the, there's there's the idea that God helps those who help themselves that that must be in the 151st Psalm or the 67th book of the Bible, I guess. Because I can't find it anywhere. And what my Bible tells me is that God helps the helpless. And, and, and somebody will tell you that's God helps those helps themselves. It's in the Bible. It's in. No, it's not. And, and so these spiritual sounding things, people waste their time with them and, and they got their sayings stored up in their mind and they're of no substance or value. And it just keeps people further and further away from the truth. These these myths, my goodness, my Bible tells me. You know, the, the exact things that I need to know, you know, at a at a I'm not trying to be insensitive, but but sometimes at a testimonial funeral service, there will be so many things said that uh, about the person that that's probably going on in their life. And most things you won't find in the Bible that that's what's going on with them in heaven, you know, at the at the very best. There, there's, it's the most unimportant things that are talked about. And there's, and there's no talk of worshiping God constantly. And, you know, the, the important things. And so we hear these things that sound spiritual. And they're really not biblically accurate. They're, they're a waste of time and keep us from meditating on absolute truths given to us in the Word of God. And then let's go and see what that turns into in a, in a measurement in our lives. Look at the difference here in verse 15. Unto the pure, all things are pure. But unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. Have you ever said something and it was very innocent what you said and you weren't even thinking wrong when you said it? But someone else twisted into saying it meant something really bad and you have to tell them, get your mind out of the gutter. That's exactly what that verse reminds me of. 
but the protection upon our mind and our life away from these fables, away from these myths, you know, getting away from this mannerism and the, and the false teachers with their money. Look, it's so important what we fill our minds and our hearts with. Uh, what we take in and surround ourselves with, what we hear, what we think, what we do, who we hang around, dwelling with closely. It's, it's so important uh, and it makes a big difference in our perception of things and the way we see things. It pays to be spiritually nourished in the pureness of God. You know, in a pitiful world we live in, we can still be immersed with the, in the pure things of God. God has, God has so much for His people, and, and I love gathering with you, and I love us sharing the Word together, and what it does for our lives. Think if we were out there doing the opposite somewhere, what the difference in our, in our minds and our hearts would be. I worked with this fellow for a while, and... He was always speaking disrespectful of his wife. And I was trying to be politically correct and tolerant, I guess. And I, and I just walked away from him. I never said anything. I mean, whenever, whenever his wife was in his presence at a Christmas party or something, he was completely different than he was when she wasn't around. And when it was all the guys at work, I just finally, I had had it. And I went up and as nice as I could, I gave him a verse of scripture about a man with his wife and how things should be. And he twisted that verse up to make it mean something that he wanted it to mean. And he quoted that thing for years right in my ear in his perverted translation, if you will. The let me, go, let me go back and read that so you know what we're talking about here. Unto the pure, all things are pure. But unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure. Even their mind and their conscience is defiled. There's a, there's a measurement of pureness that we can steadily grow into. And then we see a mask in verse 16. And we're going into uh, verse 15 starts to take us into the unbelieving, the unsaved and to focus on the false teachers. And it says that they profess that they know God, but in works they deny him being abominable and disobedience unto every good work reprobate. You know, there's there's the saints that need rebuking. And then there's the unsaved that need to be redeemed. Paul gave Titus a giant work to do. Titus needs to look out for those who profess to be saved, whose, whose practices in life prove they're not. You know, that's a real easy examination that always needs to be done in our lives. There's so many. I, I'm impressed with the knowledge of so many. However, it... It, you don't see it carried out in the life, and, and that's a problem. That, that's just a problem. That's an issue. We're not going to be judged for how much we know. We're going to be judged for what we did with what we know. We're given the Word of God to do with it, not only to learn it. So there's a, there's a, there's a judgment Paul makes upon these people for what they profess and what they do. And, t- and Titus is to look out for that. There needs to be structure, order, and truth in the Lord's church. 
These, these unsaved Cretans, these false uh, teachers were fighting to corrupt it. And, and, it, and it takes truth. It, it takes the planting of men of God, as Paul gave Titus to do in these churches, that the truth might stand, that the deception and the, and the falsehoods might be detected. And, and so as I think about all the many things I, I love seeing, you know, in bulletins recently, all the opportunities that there are to serve around here and they're good things and, the, and they're great things. But number one, most important is, is the truth that has to be the foundation that all of these ministries come out from. And, and therefore, leaders of ministries need to be solid in the word of God and be at the feet of Jesus when it's time to be at the feet of Jesus. Well, as we as we just maybe we had some inspiration this morning and some information tonight. I've I've information to people to death from the Bible before, and I love just talking about what the Word of God says. It's good enough for me what it says, and I don't know what might be on your heart tonight. Um, I'll tell you what: this is your opportunity to come to the altar and pray if you need something. If you need to, if you need to talk to the Lord about something, we're not going to have a invitation tonight. This is just your time. I tell you what, let's let's just sit right here with all our heads bowed and and have a quiet moment with the Lord.